Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I am the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just want to take a moment to thank you for watching or listening, whether you're on YouTube or listening on any of the major podcasting platforms. And I just want to give you that reminder, as always, that I would love it if you would subscribe to the uh, to the podcast to make sure that you're never missing any of our content. Please also feel free to share these episodes with anyone that you think may find them useful. Right now, we're in the midst of a handful of episodes about our current sermon series called Healing Home. And so we've been talking about a variety of uh, things about healing and what it means to experience healing and what healing, in some cases, is not. So this past weekend, I had on Sunday, I had the opportunity to share a message about healing as it pertains to mental and emotional health. It's a very major area that a lot of people need healing with because all of us at some point experience emotional wounds in our life and many of us experience mental health conditions like depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, uh, perhaps an eating disorder. All of these things are things that we need healing with. And even though the Bible doesn't necessarily specifically address mental health by name, there is absolutely circumstances of people in the Bible that are struggling in some sort of way with mental or emotional health. So that's what I dove into with my sermon. And just to kind of recap a little bit of that, um, I'll just let you know that my first thing that I mentioned is that it's okay to have struggles. There are many people in the Bible that have various struggles in their lives, and at no point does God ever tell them, hey, it's not okay to have pain. The Psalms are filled with Psalms of lament. There are stories of um, people like uh, Jonah or Elijah who at different times pray to God and say, God, I would rather be dead than to be going through these circumstances that I'm in right now. So those things are very real and very much a part of our, our lived experience, but also the lived experience of people in the Bible. I also talked about how not all problems, mentally or emotionally, have easy, tidy solutions. Sometimes our problems don't have any solutions. Sometimes grief is just grief. Um, sometimes the emotions we experience are just there and there's not a tidy resolution for them. And then the last thing I talked about is how God wants to help us out. Um, in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, God talks about being humble and lowly. And I think in a context of healing, that means that God wants to be with us in our times of struggle, especially in our times of struggle. I find that really, really helpful um, as a reminder. So I would like to expand on a few of those ideas and do that through some of the comments and questions that we received during our Q&A session. Um, I tried to get as many of the questions addressed as I could uh, during the sermon. Um, and I, I will also post a link to the sermon so you can watch it if you haven't had the chance already. Um, but first I'd like to address a couple of the comments that we got um, through uh, the question and answer uh, time. 
one of the first comments is something that I need to apologize for because um, early on in the sermon, I used King Saul as an example of someone who is clearly struggling. Um, there is one moment where he's wanting to kill David, the next he's uh, vowing to protect David and going back and forth. And um, somewhat humorously, I, or at least I thought, um, I was calling Saul crazy um, because of that back and forth nature. And that just wasn't right of me. Um, someone rightfully called me out and said, you know, calling him crazy like that sometimes perpetuates stigmas about mental health and mental illness. And that stigma sometimes uh, prevents people from opening up or from seeking help um, in their own circumstances. So um, whoever that, I, I don't know whose phone number that was, but they were right to call me out on that and thank you for that. Another person commented um, that rest is an essential part of healing. And during the sermon, I had said something along the lines of like, rest isn't completely healing. And I just want to clarify some of that um, discussion there, I think, because what I meant when I said that rest isn't automatically a healing thing, it doesn't always solve the problem. For many problems, that is the case. Um, I will say that rest is often a vital component however, of healing in relationships, of physical things, of mental health things as well. Um, rest is very important. Rest, I think, helps us to be better equipped to manage whatever circumstances we may be facing. So rest would better equip me to um, help seek healing in a relationship. Um, rest helps me to uh, reset my mind so I can better process the things I'm experiencing mentally or emotionally. So in that, in that sense, yes, rest is absolutely a vital part of healing. Um, what I will say is that rest is not the only solution to a lot of problems that we face. It is important to get rest, but even after we are, are well rested, sometimes our problems are still there. But again, we are better equipped to handle our problems once we have experienced rest, true rest, Sabbath rest. Um, another comment that I got was that there's an organization called NAMI that has support groups for people that are either wrestling with mental health or emotional issues themselves or are um, helping someone or have someone in their family or friends that is wrestling with that. And NAMI is spelled N-A-M-I, which stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, I did a little bit of research a moment ago on what that is, and it's just a really um, comprehensive resource that gives a lot of tips and uh, resources for people who are struggling themselves or who are near to someone who is struggling. There are support groups. There are um, suggestions for how to handle certain situations. There's a really wide variety of resources available through the uh, NAMI, again, and that stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. I would also just like to say that Pastor Shar and I also have a list of local uh, therapists and counselors, um, some of whom are um, specifically Christian counselors, some of whom are just more general counselors. And so if you're needing a recommendation for or a suggestion of someone to talk to, um, Pastor Shar and I would love to share those options for you. 
Now I'd like to delve into some of the questions that we received uh, during the question and answer time that we maybe didn't get a chance to get into or that I would like to explore a little bit more fully. The first is how do you share and be authentic with friends without bringing everyone into your sadness? It is very important for us to share the things that we're struggling with, um, especially with the people who are closest to us, our friends, our family, uh, potentially coworkers and that sort of thing, neighbors. Um, I know there's often a reservation about sharing those things. At least I've had that reservation at times because I don't want to bring the mood down. I don't want to make my problems another person's problems. And so I think that's the perspective that this person is coming at, is how do you share authentically um, without bringing other people into your problem? And um, one of the first suggestions that I would have first is just to kind of ask a question about the conversation and make it an intentional conversation. And so maybe you say something like, hey, you know, I'm struggling with some things right now. Do you have some time where we can talk about some things? Um, that makes it an intentional conversation that's more focused on, um, I'm, I'm trying to get better, I'm struggling and I'm trying to do better. And that I think is a really great way to open up a conversation like that. It gives the person the opportunity to kind of prepare a little bit, even if it's just a moment to kind of say, okay, transitioning into something serious. Um, but it also gives the person to say, mm, you know what, right now I'm not in a healthy place either to be having this conversation. So let's pause on that and maybe redress it um, at a certain time. So I think asking the question first and saying, hey, can we talk about this? I think that's a really great starting point. I'd also say to be direct um, instead of just kind of meandering and hoping to get into the conversation um, or hoping that somebody asks um, and initiates, be direct and initiate the conversation and be like, hey, I am really hurting right now and I need to talk to someone about this. Um, it may also be um, clarifying to someone to say, um, I need someone to give me advice or I need someone to just listen. Because those are two very different things. Um, giving advice certainly involves listening, but sometimes you just need someone to listen to what you're feeling. So I think being clear about that uh, can be really helpful. The last thing I would say about that is I would suggest not being vague um, especially on social media. Uh, this is something that I was guilty of, um, especially when I was uh, at the end of my college years. Um, I was really struggling with some depression things and I was being really vague and um, just kind of hoping somebody would care or ask certain questions. Um, and it just, it was, it just wasn't a good way of, of handling the pain that I was in. So it's better to be specific and just say, hey, I'm struggling, can we talk about this? I think that's one great way to approach that. Um, and it gives people the opportunity to say, you know, I, I don't have the capacity for this right now, but maybe let's talk at another day, at another time. Um, give somebody that option and that opportunity to say, I wanna be there for you, um, but now may not be the best time. 
Another question that I received is, what kind of prayer would you ask of God if you struggle with anxiety and depression? And that is a great question. That is um, something that I've wrestled with of, you know, in my own wrestlings with anxiety and depression. Uh, what do I ask God for? Because um, sometimes part of what I struggled with in that is the fact that I knew that I was so very blessed in so many respects in my life. I had food, shelter, people who loved me, stability, all those things, but I was still battling pain. So um, there are so many things that we can, and I'm not even gonna say should pray. We can kind of pray anything, um, even if we feel like it's maybe the wrong thing to say to God, maybe say it anyway, because that's relationship. Say what you feel you need to say. Say what is on your heart to God and just be open and honest. Part of that is then being responsive to what God may have to say to you, um, but be willing to pray for anything. Um, some of the things that I prayed for and um, I think are certainly well within um, what would make sense in this kind of situation is prayers for comfort and calm amongst depression and anxiety. Um, you know, pray for God's supernatural healing. Absolutely. Um, God does that. We don't always know when God is going to do that. We know that God doesn't always do the supernatural healing thing, but there's no reason not to pray for that. I know sometimes too, I often found myself praying for perspective because like I said, I have often known that you know, my problems compare or are, are nothing compared to the problems of other people in the world that are living in war zones and dealing with far more difficult circumstances than I am. And even though perspective doesn't solve our problems, it can sometimes help us manage our problems. I think another thing uh, to pray for is someone to talk to, to open up to. Um, some of you may know exactly who you can go to and who you can talk to, and that's great. And certainly prayers of gratitude um, towards those people or for those people is, is well warranted. Um, but if you're not in a situation where you don't know who you can talk to, praying for someone to talk to, I think is something really helpful because God will help you find that person that you can talk to about that circumstance. I would also um, pray for greater knowledge or awareness of resources that you can have to help you. So that may be the resources to seek out counseling or therapy. Um, perhaps that's a resource to talk to a doctor about what you're experiencing. Um, it may also be other resources that are available through a church or other organizations. Um, absolutely pray for those kinds of resources to be available to. So th those are some of the things that I would encourage um, in prayer if you're battling particularly anxiety and depression. Another question that I received was, what should you do if a friend of yours is struggling but doesn't trust doctors or other um, medical techniques or uh, certain medicines? So um, I'm kind of imagining in this context that you're maybe seeing someone who's struggling with perhaps depression or bipolar disorder, and you're kind of wondering, 
how do I help them if they are not trusting of doctors or certain medicines um, and that sort of thing. Um, the first thing, of course, is to pray. Pray for that person. Um, pray that God will heal them um, and or pray that God will direct them towards whatever resources would be helpful for them. And in, in any circumstance, there is often a wide wide array of methods that you can deal with some of these emotional or mental health problems. Um, emotional and mental health is, is very rarely, a, well, never a one-size-fits-all approach. So um, there are a lot of healthy ways to tackle some of these problems, as well as a lot of unhealthy ways. Um, I would also say that if a person is struggling with trusting doctors or trusting in certain medical procedures or medications, um, that person's level of trust or lack of trust is ultimately not your responsibility. That is sometimes a hard word to accept because we want to be helpful for people that we care about and that we love, but ultimately how much they choose to put their trust in people that can help is up to them. We can certainly be praying that they would be trusting in the resources and in the people that could be helpful for them. Um, that's ultimately not our decision and we need to respect that. If you have your own experience with mental health professionals or medications, I think that's, if you're comfortable with that, the, you're, you can share your own experience and say, hey, I know you maybe don't trust these particular people or methods, but I found them to be really helpful for myself and here's how. That's certainly something that you can do if you have that experience. Likewise, if you know of someone else that has had the experience and you know that that other person is okay with sharing that piece of their story, that may be um, something that you can do as well. But again, like I said, ultimately, you have to respect their decision. If, if they don't trust them, you can't force them to have that trust. And forcing an unwanted solution on someone is ultimately not a solution. So, and again, I, I've been in this place of seeing someone struggle and knowing what could probably really be beneficial for them. But if they are not in a place to make that decision for themselves, it's, it's not healthy for me to keep pushing that on them. I did that and it was it was very problematic for the both of us. Um, so yeah, prayer is, I think, the best thing you can do. Also, but just being there and listening for them. Even though they may not trust um, a therapist or a counselor, if they trust you, be there for them as much as you can. That can be very daunting because if you don't have the training to um, help them process those things fully, um, you know, that can be a big challenge for you. Um, but to the extent that you're able to be there for them and listen to them, um, by all means do so, but also be clear about what you can help with and what you can't. You can, you can't, you have absolute permission to say, that's a very heavy thing. I want to walk with you alongside that, but ultimately I don't know how. And I think you and I both would be best served by bringing in some additional resources. Um, another question that I didn't get specifically from 
um, the question and answer session on Sunday, but that I've experienced or I've heard of as a question before is, um, do biblical commands about sobriety um, rule out using medication in circumstances of mental health? Um, and, I, and I can't remember the verse specifically that that question referenced, but there are um, references in scripture to being sober-minded. And those are important scriptures that we wanna keep in mind in this conversation. And I would respond to that in a couple of ways. First, um, that being sober-minded um, was typically, most, most scholars would say that that's specifically addressing um, issues like drugs and alcohol, um, things that alter your mental state in a way that compromises your judgment so that you do not make bad decisions, make decisions that are in some way um, sinful. So those texts are typically addressing those kinds of substances, whereas substances um, or medications that are used to treat mental health conditions are very different. I would say in my own experience of taking antidepressants at different seasons in my life um, has been that um, these medications can sometimes actually bring your mind back to a place of sobriety. So when I was um, in my um, places of depression, my brain chemistry was being affected in such a way that um, my default setting was at a very low place and it became really hard for me to enjoy good times and it made it really difficult for me to manage bad times. What medication did for me was kind of bring my default setting of my brain up to a more neutral place. So I wasn't experiencing false joy that came from a pill, but I was able to truly experience the joyful things in my life. Likewise, when I experienced challenges while on medication, having that reset to a more neutral place meant that when I had challenges, I was better equipped to face them. <coughs> Excuse me. So personally, I would say that there's nothing biblical that says medication for mental health is against God's intended design. I would argue that God has empowered a variety of medical professionals and mental health professionals to develop these medications to help us. Um, I believe that even if um, some of these people have not necessarily had the glory of God in mind or been Christians themselves, um, they are helping develop tools that God uses and God works through to accomplish healing in people's lives. I know for me, um, I prayed for years and years about my depression and anxiety, and um, part of the healing that I finally received from God was when I started attending therapy and getting on medication. Those were God working through different circumstances in my life to provide healing. So that's my personal thought. The last question, which is uh, something that I've kind of pondered and I know many other, um, I shouldn't say other because I'm not a biblical scholar, but many biblical scholars have uh, contemplated and discussed is the question of is demonic possession in the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, is demonic possession mental illness? Because um, 
in the Bible, um, like especially in some of the stories about Jesus, um, when Jesus is casting demons out of people, um, sometimes people today like to read into those situations and say, oh, that could be a uh, depiction of schizophrenia or could be a depiction of depression or anxiety and those kinds of things. Um, there's a lot of debate about those things. Um, I think it's a little bit dangerous, and a lot of other people would say that it's somewhat dangerous to read our understandings of situations today into the text that was written thousands of years ago, in part because the text in many cases just doesn't give us enough information to make mental health diagnoses. Um, but also it's just it's just two completely different mindsets. So it may well be that what they understood at the time to be uh, demonic possession could be what we understand today as mental illness. Um, does that mean that what we understand today as mental illness could also be understood as demonic possession? Again, that is a subject of much, much, much debate. The point of many of these stories is not that a person was, however, possessed by a demon. The point is that those stories revealed who Jesus was. Those healings revealed Jesus as the healer, as a messenger of God, as the son of God. That's the real utility of those stories is not revealing what they understood about demonic possession or mental illness or what we should understand it as, but it helps us understand who God is. I would also say that um, if someone is today struggling with mental health um, or emotional health, that phrasing it as demonic possession to them might not be very helpful. Because if a person is struggling with any of those kinds of things, if you tell them, oh, maybe you have a demon in you, that's probably not going to be helpful for them. So you're invited to pray over that. Um, I would be very, very hesitant about saying that to a person um, who is struggling. It's probably better just to say, I am praying for your healing, whatever that healing may look like. So... That's just a little bit of where we were this Sunday and some of the questions that we had and some of the other questions I've heard over the years. Um, there's certainly so much more that you could say about this area um, and in this subject. There's not nearly enough time to go into every single aspect of it, but I hope that is helpful. And as always, please, please, if you wanna talk to someone, please do so. Um, my own email address is in the description. So if you have questions about anything we discussed today, um, please let me know. But also, if you just need to talk to someone, um, I'm uh, happy to do that on staff. And there are many others on our staff that would be willing to talk to you as well. So don't ever think that you have to do this thing called life on your own because you don't. So um, that's all I have for today. I want to thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day.